Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring a few scary, ghostly stories. Welcome back. Here we are toward the end of May 2023, and it's Memorial Day weekend coming upon us now. The kids are out of school. I'm sure summer camps and vacations will start soon. And I hope during those fun times, when the night falls and the crickets let out their songs, and you light up those campfires, that you'll sit around them and share a few of these spine-tingling tales with each other. I hope I inspire you just a little bit. And speaking of, if you're inspired for some scary stories, visit MyHauntedDolls.com and in my shop you'll find all of the books I've written, books of scary stories, some of them true stories, supernatural scary novels that can keep you up all night reading, And some ghostly tales like I share here on the show. So be sure to check out MyHauntedDolls.com and visit the shop. Get your autographed copy today. And while you're at it, go to the link page and follow my link to my YouTube channel, My Haunted Dolls, on YouTube. You can watch the videos I've made of the evidence, the uh, creepy anomalies and electronic voice responses I've captured from my own haunted collection, my haunted dolls, paintings, and etc. Also, there's a few videos of my investigations outside the home and some haunted locations, so you might enjoy those. So be sure to visit My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. And now, let's get on with the show. Speaking of scary stories, I've been working on a book about stories that are based on some of my favorite scary urban legends. So I hope I have that book out later this year before Halloween. And I hope you'll buy your copy once it's out there. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully it's coming soon. And now, speaking of scary legends, here's one that's been around for a while. Scary story about a man who visits a butcher shop and buys a package of raw pork for his family. What could go wrong? Let's find out in the story called Pig Meat. Of course, I remember what happened on that terrible evening. Even if I wanted to, I could not forget the events of that damned night. I know you do not believe me. No one in their right mind would believe it. I myself would have laughed at anyone who even hinted at something like that. 
if I had not seen with my own eyes that disgusting, unspeakable, and unnatural spectacle. But you need the details, and I'll have to start from the beginning. We moved into this neighborhood two years ago. My wife and I, with our two children, bought a nice cozy house on this quiet, shady street. My wife is a wonderful mother. She spent the whole day doing household chores. Our children went to school nearby, and I went to work in the city center. We were a happy family, until some bad luck made me buy that damn meat. You've probably seen the butcher shop on Main Street, the one where the gloomy, fat man stands behind the counter all day, wearing a bloody apron and proudly displaying his big lumps of raw meat in the window. In this shop, the meat is always fresh and juicy, no matter if you fry it, roast it, or boil it. The succulent meat just melts in your mouth. I do not know what made me enter his wretched shop and buy three kilograms of pork that evening. Had I known then how things would turn out, I would never have set foot across his threshold. But I was unaware of the dangers, even though I glimpsed the evil glint in his eye, of that vile butcher when he handed me the package of meat, and even though I noticed that, despite the cold weather, the meat was very warm. How could I have been so careless? When I got home, I threw the package of meat in the fridge and went upstairs, collapsing into bed without even undressing. It had been a hard day at work, and I was extremely tired. My children were playing somewhere in the street, and my wife was hanging up clothes in the backyard. I didn't sleep very well. I had a very strange dream. I dreamed that I was at a pig farm, wandering around aimlessly, making my way through the mucky skies. The buildings were falling apart and looked almost as if they had been abandoned. There were remnants of stone walls, pieces of charred wood, and other garbage. The styes were filled with pigs, and the disgusting animals were wallowing in the mud, rolling over and over and covering themselves with dirt. These fat pigs stared at me as I walked past, with drool and slobber dripping from their snouts. There was something otherworldly, something inexplicable about this place. It exuded the air of something disgusting and evil. 
I wandered around among strange ramshackle buildings and the mucky, mucky pigsties as if I was spellbound. Something inside me would not allow me to leave this accursed place. I was looking for something, but I did not know what. Then I found it. Half hidden under a layer of mud was a hatch with a rusty iron ring. I do not know why I did not run away from there at once. Instead, I pulled up the rusty ring, opened the hatch, and peered down into the darkness. A set of stone steps led down to a dungeon. A faint ray of sunlight lit up one tiny corner of the dungeon, and that's when I saw them. Bones. The floor of the dungeon was littered with bones. Hundreds, thousands of skeletons lying there in the dark. Some were very fresh, with hunks of meat still clinging to them. Others were dry and dusty and must have been there for years. I do not remember how long I crouched there, staring down into that monstrous cave. All of a sudden, I woke up in a cold sweat. It was the middle of the night. My heart was pounding in my chest, and I could barely breathe. I looked over and saw my wife snoring peacefully beside me. Although I tried, I could not get back to sleep, and when I looked out the window, I saw the sky was already beginning to brighten as the dawn approached. I decided to take an early morning drive to calm my nerves. I got into my car and drove out to the countryside. I wanted to get some fresh air and convince myself that my nightmare was no more than a delusion. When I got back to my house, it was around noon. As soon as I opened the door, the unmistakable smell of grilled meat hit my nostrils. At that moment, it seemed like the most appalling and terrible stench I had ever smelled. I went into the kitchen and saw my wife and children sitting at the table. They were eating big hunks of juicy roasted meat, the same meat I had bought at the butcher's shop. I watched them gnawing the cooked flesh off the bone like wild animals, chewing, chomping, and slurping with abandon, then swallowing it down with relish. Their hands and mouths were covered in grease, and they licked their lips hungrily. My wife was about to say something to me 
when suddenly she stopped in mid-sentence and started coughing and choking. The children started coughing and spluttering too. Then they all fell to the ground and began writhing around, foaming at the mouth. I stood there, unable to move, but I saw everything, all the hideous details. No, no, please don't force me to remember that abominable scene. How can I put such a monstrous sight into words? How can I describe the way my wife and children suddenly started gnawing on each other's limbs, tearing off pieces of flesh with their teeth? I can't bear to talk about how they grabbed knives and began slicing pieces of flesh off each other and devouring them. I simply cannot put into words the grisly mess they made as they gobbled and chomped and chewed on each other's bones until all that was left were just three skeletonized bodies lying in a pool of blood and guts on the nice white tiled floor of the kitchen. And that's how the police found me the next morning, surrounded by the skeletal remains of my beloved family. They dragged me out in handcuffs, and they accused me of horrible crimes. They told lies about me and said that I ate my entire family. No, No, it's not true. Do not believe their lies. They're involved in a conspiracy against me. They're protecting the butcher. They've eaten his damned meat, and they're lying to protect him. You too. You probably ate the meat. That's why you don't believe me. You ate that damn meat. You're no longer people, you hear me? You're not people anymore. You're meat. Meat, I say. Living and breathing carcasses covered in horrible, disgusting, juicy, succulent, delicious human meat. Wow, (laughs) that was some kind of a story, wasn't it? I enjoyed performing that, even as sick as it was. (laughs) And I hope it gave you at least a little chill down your spine. If not, let's go on to our second story. I'm sure that one will give you at least a little bit of a fright. For the second story, I thought I would lean toward a 
supposedly true legend. This one that happened up uh, around Staten Island, New York. A real place, a real event, and some say a very true ghostly story. So this is the tale of the Willowbrook State School. Willowbrook State School is a scary place in Staten Island, New York. Many years ago, it was an institution for children with mental disabilities. However, it was overcrowded, filthy, and many of the patients were abused. Eventually, it was closed down and the place was abandoned. Today, the dilapidated buildings are said to be haunted by the ghosts of the children who died there, their souls still roaming, looking for justice. Willowbrook State School began as a hospital for mentally handicapped children. The school had a terrible reputation and was used like a warehouse where mentally disabled children were dumped. Many of them were abandoned by their families or the foster care agencies who were supposed to care for them. However, the school quickly became overcrowded and the employees were not able to control the patients. The mentally disabled children were locked in rooms for extended lengths of time and forced to sleep on floors covered in their own pee and poop. Many of the children were malnourished and underfed. Most of them ran through the halls dressed in ragged clothes or completely naked. Conditions became so bad that a lot of children contracted diseases and died from illness and malnutrition. Unable to deal with the situation, some staff members began abusing the children physically. Some of the kids even wandered away from the institution and ended up dying in the surrounding woods. Between 1963 until 1966, secret medical studies were even conducted on the children. Doctors infected them with hepatitis in order to study the disease. So these children were being used as human guinea pigs. When Senator Robert Kennedy visited the mental institution in 1966, he called it, quote, a snake pit, and declared that, quote, 
Willowbrook State School is not fit for even animals to live in. He said that the patients were living in filth and dirt, their clothing in rags, in rooms less comfortable and cheerful than the cages in which we put animals in a zoo. In 1971, funding to Willowbrook State School was cut drastically, which led to worse conditions. Local newspapers and TV stations began doing reports on the overcrowding, the unsanitary conditions, and the physical and mental abuse of the disabled children. In 1972, reporter Geraldo Rivera secretly gained access to Willowbrook State School using a stolen key and managed to document the brutal and horrific living conditions with a camera crew. His report led to an immediate government inquiry and lawsuits were filed against New York State. By the mid-1980s, Willowbrook State School closed down and many of its buildings were abandoned. Today, they lie vacant and in ruins, littered with old toys, lunch trays, and broken beds. Sometimes people claim to hear disembodied footsteps echo in the deserted corridors. Others have heard whispered voices calling out their names and the eerie sound of children giggling in the hallways. One employee saw the ghostly figures of two children lurking in the building. The boy and girl were dressed in ragged clothing. The woman was puzzled because she could not figure out what the children were doing there. She followed them and watched as they turned the corner, disappearing from sight. When she peeked around the corner and saw that there was nothing there but an empty hallway, she realized she had just seen two ghosts. Teenagers who trespass on the property often tell tales of shadowy figures chasing them away from the buildings. Two boys went exploring in the school at night. They say they were chased around the grounds by a dark figure. Eventually, they managed to run back to their house, and when they looked out the window, they realized the shadowy figure had followed them home and was standing in their garden. They watched it from their window as the thing stood in front of their home all night until the sun came up. In July 1987, the body of a young girl was discovered 
in a shallow grave on the grounds of Willowbrook State School. She had disappeared from her home a few days before. When police investigated, they found a homeless man named Andre Rand living in a makeshift shack nearby. Years before, he had worked as an orderly in Willowbrook. Witnesses reported seeing Rand playing with the missing girl on the day she disappeared. Police charged him with kidnapping and murder. He is a suspect in the disappearance of many other children in the area, but the police have been unable to prove it. The newspapers call him the Hannibal Lecter of Staten Island. So if you live in that area or go visit there in Staten Island around this old abandoned Willowbrook State School, you just might want to keep a safe distance. You don't want to run into any maniacs or ghostly children giggling at you as you shiver in fright. And you most certainly do not want any shadowy creature following you home. Man, that is a creepy story right there. I've never been in that area of the country, but I tell you, I'd be very leery about visiting that location myself, even as a paranormal investigator. I definitely would not be going alone, but I tell you, if I did, I would definitely be respectful of those spirits there, as we should anywhere there might be spirits. And so, those are the good, ghastly stories of this episode, and I hope you've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed sharing them with you. I love to tell these tales of terror, and I love for others to enjoy them like me. So as you go off and enjoy your vacations and those summer evenings by the campfire, maybe you'll share a few of your own as well. Until then... Keep those doors and windows locked. Be careful wherever you go. Be sure to say your prayers at night. But by all means, have a happy haunting. (laughs) 